welcome to Nonprofit Lowdown. I'm your host, Rhea Wong. Hey, podcast listeners, it is Rhea Wong with you once again with Nonprofit Lowdown. I am so excited because today my guest is Jen David Lang. Jen, you and I have known each other for more time than I can recall. Anyway, so Jen and I go back to the Summer Bridge Breakthrough Days. For those of you listening out there, you know what that's about. And since then, Jen has gone on to do many, many things in education. Most recently, she has founded her own company called The Main Idea as the founder. So today we're going to talk about her transition from education to being an entrepreneur. And then we're going to talk about masterminds. So for those of you who don't know what masterminds are, you're going to learn all about masterminds. So welcome, Jen. Thank you so much, Rhea. So fun to have you. So tell me a little bit about your journey from education to The Main Idea, which is your company. Sure. Well, I guess I, I cheated a little bit in that I wasn't just a, a teacher and an educator. I started right out of college starting a summer bridge program in Providence. So I had some of those startup skills, some of those leadership nonprofit skills in me, um, but I was very young and I did teach for a while and I got my principal's license. And then right around 9-11, my daughter was born and I just decided I wanted to support school leaders instead of becoming a full-time principal. So I did lots of small consulting jobs here or there. And then I realized that everything was sort of scattered and I wanted to do one thing myself. And as I worked with school leaders, I realized they didn't have a lot of time for their own professional development. They spent a lot of time helping teachers with their professional development, and they spent a lot of time putting out fires and being busy, but they weren't spending a lot of time on their own. So I decided to start a service called The Main Idea, where basically I read a ton of education books, pick the best ones, and I summarize them each month as part of a subscription service for school and district leaders across the country, actually across the world. And then in addition, school leaders don't always have the time or the know-how to plan professional development for their teachers or their leadership teams. So at the end of each of these summaries, I also include ideas for how a principal could go back to her school and lead professional development sessions there too. So this was all in um, 2007, I launched the main idea. So brilliant. And you know, it's so funny because I'm thinking about like, I love to read as I'm sure you love to read. And it's like, oh, what an amazing idea to, to monetize your hobby. <laughs> That's how some people think about starting up businesses. Absolutely. For me, it was more um, a need that I saw because actually I was busy also as an educator and I wasn't reading the books that I wanted to read or I wasn't remembering them or I wasn't using the ideas. I wasn't closing the knowing doing yet by taking the ideas from the books and enacting them in the schools where I work. So um, I think it came a bit more from that. Yeah, that's so, I mean, you identified a problem and you solved that problem. So how many folks take part in the main idea on your list? Like when we're talking about principles around the world, how many folks get the main idea in their inbox? Well, the fir very first year, I just worked really hard and I had 100 people. And then slowly through the years, I built it. And now it's about 20, 25,000 leaders across the world. Wow, that's amazing. Yes, a good outreach. <laughs> <laughs> so you have this amazing list of people, 25,000 that you're serving, and recently you decided to try something called a mastermind. So tell the folks who aren't familiar with a mastermind is, what is a mastermind? 
Well, first I'll say that I didn't know the origin of it. I had to look it up before coming to talk to you, Ria. So, of course, I went to uh, Wikipedia and I didn't realize that it dates back 100 years. So basically, it's a mastermind is a group of people who meet regularly to help the members solve their problems and get advice and strategies and to network and to grow. And the term was coined in 1925 by a man named Napoleon Hill. I don't know who names their son Napoleon. Someone did. Uh, And it it was popularized in his book, Think and Grow Rich, which of course has nothing to do with me and my goals of working in the field of education. But basically the idea of a group of people who come together to grow professionally. And I had had the idea of starting a mastermind about five years ago, but I didn't have the terminology. I had the idea because in education, historically, you probably know this, Rhea, teachers worked in their own silos, Mm -hmm. right? My classroom, never meet another adult, go home, right? And in the 90s, the idea of professional learning communities, PLCs, surfaced. Mm -hmm. The idea that really the way to improve teacher practice is not to have a principal come in and observe one class a year, Mm -hmm. but to have a group of colleagues, a group of seventh grade teachers or English teachers come together and share their strategies for what's working, try those out, meet again, revise them, get feedback. And so I thought, hey, why don't I run a virtual PLC for principals and leaders? But I didn't do anything about it for a long time. Oh, so so you were thinking about it and then you launched at the beginning of uh, 2020, which is quite an interesting time for anyone's launch. Tell me a little bit about that. Sure. Well, before I did that, I was being interviewed on another podcast and the person running it said, oh, do you want to join my mastermind? Oh, what's that? Is that like a game from the 1970s <laughs> with pegs? And he's like, well, yes, it is, but that's not what I'm asking. And I joined his back in November. So I was a participant in one of these masterminds for a few months. And then it was really when, you know, mid-March here in New York City, I'm in New York, like you, Rhea, when the whole city was shut down. I probably spent about a week Mm -hmm. frozen and then I got my act together and said, well, how can I be of service, right? I can't go work in an emergency room. There's a lot that I can't do, but I can support school leaders at this incredible time of change. Mm -hmm. So I said, ah, let me launch my online masterminds. Mm -hmm. And that's where it started. I got the first ones running three weeks after New York City shut down. Amazing. And so when you were thinking about a mastermind, did you have an idea about the topics that you wanted to cover or is that driven by the folks in the mastermind? Like I'm just sort of thinking from an actionable standpoint, like how do you start to even think about and plan for a mastermind? Well, there's lots of ways people run masterminds and we, I'm running with a co-facilitator, Mitch Center. And we are in this rare moment in history when whether you're a principal in a small town in South Dakota or a principal in the Bronx, we're all dealing with COVID. And now we're all dealing with this national reckoning with our history and practices of racism. So we are all now dealing with the same problems. So my co-facilitator and I decided that each session there would be a theme. And that's connected a little bit with the... Mm -hmm the learning that happens in the masterminds. I can tell you a little bit about what what the hour looks like if you want to be able to visualize it. Um, I guess before we visualize it, tell me a little bit about how you went about finding folks to participate in the mastermind. That's the most difficult thing because there is, it's a monthly fee. When we ran it, we ran a pilot of four free sessions when COVID-19 hit. But now this week we've just launched and we charge a a membership fee, a monthly membership fee. And so it's not so easy just to hang up your shingle and get people who want to do it. So I think 
because I have 13 years of building up my subscriber base from the main idea, I was able to email people who knew me and my work for many years. And those were the people who decided to sign on. So my mastermind groups are comprised of my main idea subscribers. And when you were thinking about your the folks that you wanted in the mastermind, did you have like a particular profile in mind, like urban versus rural, uh, like size, you know, high school leader, high school principals versus elementary school, anything like that? Well, originally we thought it might be good to have separate groups with school leaders and district leaders. I see. But during the pilot, it turned out to be really helpful to have both, to hear the perspectives of the people. But I think the more important profile is that we wanted people who did not think they were coming to a webinar where they were going to sit there for an hour and Mitch and I were going to feed them all the information they need. Um, And we also didn't want people who were going to come and just dominate. (laughs) So we really wanted people who felt they wanted to learn and they also wanted to share. Got it. So it's almost like a learning slash uh, support group. Yes, there's components of learning and and support. But I made sure, because I know one person joined my mastermind who said he was in another group and it was all support, support, and there, there wasn't a lot of new learning or strategies. So we really made sure to build in concrete ideas that people could take away. And there were some mastermind sessions where people said, I just took three pages of notes of what I want to do now after this call. And then also the support and the connection is key to people feeling comfortable sharing what they don't know as well as what they know. And so you mentioned it's an hour monthly or is it an hour every other week? Every other week. We thought for school leaders it's too much to do it weekly for them to step out of their problems of their lives, but it's also too infrequent to do it once a month. So we, we landed on once every other week. And can you walk me through what an hour looks like? Yeah, I think that's sort of where the magic lies. So we usually have some kind of check-in. We try to ask different questions so people can hear what everyone else is working on that week. And then we have something called the one big thing, which I borrowed from Danny Bauer, who runs my mastermind. So each week, each session at the end, we ask people to take one thing they've learned and put it into a Google Doc and commit to what they're going to do over the next two weeks. So then we open the session after the check-in, we put people in breakout groups and they share how has their progress been on their one big thing that they were committing to do. So the mastermind is a great place for self-accountability. It's not me holding them accountable to them, holding themselves accountable for their own goal. Then we come back together and we have been creating readings for them, just one page readings that pile on the topic of the day. So that's something we can do because we're not in a school or district Mm -hmm. right now. So I can read all over the internet and through my books and everything and address the topic of, you know, learning loss in Mm -hmm. students or social emotional learning in students. So we usually compile a brief one page document to read mm-hmm. and they can we give it to them ahead of time, but we also carve out time for a live reading because people are really busy and we give them the opportunity a few minutes to do the live reading with a question and then we share as both small and large groups and that's where we a lot of the learning happens, the new learning. And then there is time for what we call a hot seat. And that's when one participant shares a problem of practice that he or she Mm -hmm. is experiencing in the school or the district. And that's where you get like free advice and strategies just, you know, brainstormed and thrown at you. You get to have, you know, a good amount of time sharing the problem. And then we all put our heads together and say, this is what I've tried in my school. This is what I've read about. This is what I know doesn't work. 
and the person furiously takes notes and takes back ideas for a problem that otherwise he or she would be figuring out alone often. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's so brilliant because I know when I've done professional development things like conferences or whatnot, the most valuable part has always been just talking with my peers and like thinking through problems. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So this is just the, a structure to do that. And also a lot of the leaders say, I wouldn't naturally know someone across the country, right? In Phoenix or in Sarasota. So we're able to provide that platform because we're bringing the leaders together from all over the world and providing the structure for the learning. And just like a tactical question, do you struggle with people not showing up? Because I, I often think when you think about like a structured program, it builds on each other. And so when people miss sessions, like it kind of throws a wrench into things. Definitely. I mean, not only are these school leaders, but look at the time we're living in. So per people certainly have their work interrupted. But I think part of charging for service is honestly that people do make more of a commitment to come because they are paying for it. And I think people are invested in it. And again, it goes back to the profile, the kind of people who want to learn. Because I certainly spoke to some people who said, oh, no, no, I'm too busy to join your mastermind. And I, you know, you think about that, right? Like, here's the principal of a school who's saying, I'm, I'm too busy to learn. We're supposed to modeling learning. We're supposed to modeling. We want our teachers to work in groups. We want our students to collaborate. And here's mm -hmm. your opportunity to collaborate. Yeah. So I think the kinds of people who are in it are the kinds of people who value learning, who value learning from and with other people. But of, of course, I mean, we've already had an individual person here or there who can't make a session. Sure. So tell me the kind of big picture. You've gone through one round. You're now just launched your second round. I'm wondering, what are some of the lessons learned? Like something I'm thinking along the lines of like things that you tried the first round that you are like, no, no going to change that one for the second round? Well, our first pilot was only four sessions. So we didn't have a long time to learn and, and people were overwhelmingly positive. So I think we have a little bit of a skewed view. Things that people said they did value that we kept, just really bringing together a diverse group of leaders. They deeply appreciated that and carving out time for people to share, not just oversharing information but letting them share what, what worked for them. Um, people love the, the compiled and curated readings. They don't have time to comb the internet and, and the books on their bookshelves to find best practices. So they really appreciated that. They appreciated that we have our participants wear two hats, where on the one hand, they are participants and they're learning, but then they're also getting ideas based on what Mitch and I do for what they can do with their leadership teams or their teachers. Mm -hmm. So both the content of what we're using, but also the, the strategies. They love the hot seat because it's not just the person presenting the problem of practice who gets ideas, but everybody in the group does, particularly now because we're all dealing with very similar issues. One area, they didn't mention this, but I think I, I need to figure out is what to do in between the two-week sessions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you could be people connected on a Facebook group or a Slack channel, but I just think everyone is really busy and I don't know that they they want mm, to do that. Mm -hmm. um, I sent a few emails out, but uh, a lot of the learning happens outside of the two hours a month. So for example, I have two district level leaders in one group of mine. And one of them, because of COVID-19, started offering a lot of professional learning online and the assistant superintendent wanted to learn from him. Mm -hmm. So they're scheduling a time outside of the meeting. And that's where you know a lot of the connections that you want to follow up on that you can't fully complete during the hour. So those happen organically, but I'm wondering, you know, do I set up some kind of regular channel or some way to chat in between that I haven't solved yet? 
Yeah, you know, as I'm hearing you talk about this, like the one word that keeps like pinging in my head is the word curate. Like you are curating materials, you're curating resources, you're curating a group, you're curating an experience. And obviously that's valuable because people will pay for that. Yeah, I think that's where we are in this world. As there's so much information out there, I think curation is becoming a skill that people really appreciate. And I think that's why they signed up because I was curating for them with the main idea by choosing books. But but yes, part of it is curated, but part of it really is what people bring to the group. You know, we're in a moment where we are, we're living in a very complex time. Mm -hmm. In fact, just in my masterminds today, we had a one pager about living in VUCA times. I don't know if that's something your listeners are familiar with that term. No. But VUCA is volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. Ah. Form that was coined at the end of the Cold War to describe this time of change and uncertainty. And certainly in the 21st century, we've seen entire industries being disrupted. And now certainly in the last um, few months, we have seen a great deal of change and uncertainty. And so, so the idea of coming together to work on those kinds of problems problems that are adaptive challenges, not technical challenges. That's another terminology that I'm sure people know. Mm -hmm. um, the idea that a technical problem is one that you and I can solve, right? When should re and Jen meet to record this podcast? Like that has a solution. It's a problem. It has a solution. But the adaptive problems you know, right. how do we educate children in a hybrid model in a post-pandemic world that does not have an easy solution? How do we address the deep mm -hmm. inequities in education mm -hmm. that have existed for over a century? That is not a technical problem. So when you have these larger adaptive problems, it's really the group that comes together. It's a much more effective way of addressing problems. I've, I've read somewhere that today, the smartest person in the room is the room. We're providing the room. That's really what we're providing. Mm, I love that. That's so great. Right. And, and you're ensuring that people carve out the space to participate in the room, which I think is important because we, we all are like, we certainly feel very busy. See, the thing is like, I feel busier, but I don't think I'm more productive. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Well, the, you say carve out. That's the other key is that people uh, normally just be going through their to-do list, putting out fires. They're carving out the time. Some of them are in my 9 a.m. group. Their students have started at you know, 7.30 or 8, and then they're carving out time, putting a big red block on the door and, and taking an hour out of their day to reflect, to think, to get feedback. And I think that's definitely something we need to do in this VUCA world is to, to carve out the time to not just react, but to respond thoughtfully. Yeah. I love that. So I'm going to ask a, a little bit of a different question here as a business owner, you know, and this is certainly something I've struggled with. So I you know, interviewed folks on the podcast who have started their own businesses and have started, you know, masterminds and online courses and so forth. And I'm wondering, do you also struggle with imposter syndrome? Because often I like I do training, I'm like, I don't know anything. And then I start rolling going like, oh wait, I actually do know stuff. But like the initial feeling of of, oh my God, I don't know anything and they're all gonna find out is very strong. Yes. Yes, absolutely. 100%. I was not a principal for 20 years or a superintendent for 20 years. So who am I to be facilitating this group? Or who am I to be choosing books for school leaders? Absolutely. I was giving a keynote speech one time to over 100 school leaders. And I was getting really nervous because I didn't have the experience that people in the room had. And my husband turned to me and he said, if they wanted a 20-year principal to be giving this talk, 
they had a whole bunch of them in the room, Jen. <laughs> they asked you to do it. And so there's something to be said for having a fresh perspective, a different perspective, and also just being honest, what you know and you don't know. But yeah, I, I don't know if you find more women have imposter syndrome, yeah. but I certainly feel that way. Who am I? And I think it's why I spent, it took me five years to start this because I didn't really need the name Mastermind to start it. I could have started it five years ago. And I imagine that was part of the obstacle. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I think it is really common uh, among women in particular. And then I think add to that, you know, women of color, particularly so, because they're often not considered to be authorities in the space. And so I feel like that's a big obstacle to get over. But I have been reading, so the way you read education books, I read business books. And so one thing I've been thinking about is, you know, start before you're ready and everything is figure outable. I actually have a coaching client of mine who, you know, he's incredible. And he, he was talking about, uh, oh, wanting to be an adjunct professor. And I was like, you should absolutely do. I mean, he is like the CFO of a, of a major multinational nonprofit undergrads. And he was like, well, who am I? And I was like, are you serious right now? <laughs> who am I? I'm like, uh, can we look at your record? Like, you know more about that particular subject in your little finger than they do in their whole body. So who are you? And then the other piece was like, what's the worst that happens? I was like, well, what's the worst that happens? Like, I don't know. They like throw tomatoes at me and then they jeer and then they like tell everyone I don't know what I'm doing. And I was like, yeah, but what's the likelihood that that's actually a thing? Well, that's interesting. You know, in the same way that you've probably experienced, Rhea, that coaching there's some content, but some of it is just ego building and confidence building, right? Isn't that part of what we do with their mm -hmm. clients? And I think part of the mastermind is working with people who may have ideas for change or implementation, but they need a group to say, hey, go for it. Do it. Why don't you just do it? And in fact, when we meet with you two weeks from now, tell us how it went, you know? So I think that's a little bit of the push too, is the the affective side, the the encouragement. Yeah. Well, and, and also the accountability, because it, it doesn't feel great to come back to the team and be like, so I, had, I didn't do the thing I said I was going to do. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I think it was my participation in the mastermind where my colleagues said to me, Jen, start a mastermind, do it, you know, just do it. And sometimes we all need people to say, just do it. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, I think we also always need people to remind us about our particular gifts, right? Because there are some things that come so easily to us. And we're like, well, it's not that special. Like, it's not that hard for me. But what's easy for me might be really hard for someone else and vice versa. And so it's about remembering who you are and, and what gifts you bring to the world. Yes. Yes. I like that idea, the gift idea. Um, so any other advice that you have for folks who might be thinking about launching a mastermind or participating in a mastermind? Yeah. I mean, I think first of all, like be a learner yourself. <laughs> um, whether it's reading or listening to Ria's podcast or, you know, really joining a group yourself is really fantastic. And I, for me, I found that was a really important part of starting was to be in the participants' shoes, right? You know, like therapists will often go to therapy. <laughs> so same, same thing. If you can find a group to join, and this is not an education thing. There are mastermind groups in the nonprofit world and the for-profit world. There are groups that meet online. There are groups maybe less so now that actually meet in person here in New York City. I know they're nonprofit masterminds. Right. So um, yeah, first of all, immerse yourself in the learning. Um, it does help to have some kind of audience to draw from. So either, you know, build up your audience through whatever you're doing, blogging, podcasting, uh, however you can grow your email list or or just start with some really strong supporters. I mean, you, you could have four people and launch a, a mastermind. 
right? You don't need to have a large group Mm -hmm. and the word can uh, grow. You could offer a pilot like I did for free to get your feet wet. And then if your audience really enjoys it, not your audience, your participants, then you can move over to to a paid mile, a model. And it helps to think about, you know, the content and the skill development that you'd like your participants to have, you know, start keeping electronic files of what would I, um, what would I like to talk about? You know, what book might I assign or article or activity? So those are just a few small things to start or big, I guess. (laughs) Well, maybe this is different for you because you've had such a big audience, but I guess I'm wondering, how do you sell it? Because I know that what stops a lot of people is feeling like, oh, sales is sleazy and like, oh, I don't want to do it. Um, and, And, you know, obviously there are lots of folks out there selling masterminds and it may be hard to discern like who's actually a really good mastermind facilitator versus, you know, who's kind of gimmicky and, and slick and, you know, might not be that great. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't like this like selling side, but I think part of what I've thought about is I've thought about research, about learning. I know this is different. You don't have, um, mm. you have a wide range of audience members, but in education, school leaders are often the ones who get the least professional learning. And when they do, it's not effective. According to research, they go to one conference over two days and that's it. Whereas the research shows that real professional learning mm-hmm. that is effective is sustained, ongoing, includes coaching, includes collective problem solving around specific problems of practice, allows for feedback and reflection. So when I feel like I can say that this is backed by, by research as a way to actually change and grow, I think that's helpful. You can compare the cost of a school leader going to one conference once during the year to fly there, the entrance fee, meals, and that's about the price of joining my mastermind for the year. So do you want a two-day experience or do you want a year-round experience? Mm-hmm. So that's something to think about or put together. Compare it to what people are doing right now mm-hmm. for their professional learning. And then I'm the biggest walking advertisement because I was a participant in one and I have to pay a lot for the one that I belong to. And I've done one-on-one coaching. I've gone to conferences and I can speak mm-hmm. to the power of the mastermind that I went to as a participant in terms of changing my behaviors and getting me off my butt to start this mastermind and and other things as well. That's interesting. So I know that there are a number of different ways to monetize, you know, what what one does in the business. So there are like masterminds, there are online courses, there's, you know, membership sites, just to name a few. Did you consider those options as well? I think I just followed what the person did who runs my mastermind. It's just, it's a, it's a monthly fee. So it's like a membership and you can sign up for a monthly or you can pay for, you know, six months or a year. So I didn't, with with the main idea, there were other options, but for this, I just thought of a, a monthly fee. Right. Any last thoughts as we sign off? This sounds great. I mean, I, I'm inspired, Jen. Maybe I'll start a mastermind or certainly I should join a mastermind. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it really has been the best professional learning. And, you know, right now is a perfect time to go out and, and join a group and hear what other people are doing as we try to solve these complex problems that, that we have and we, and we need to face them together. So go out, join one, try it. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, for those folks listening out there who are not thinking about launching their own business, they can, you can still start a mastermind, right? With your peers or your friends or people that you want to connect with on a regular basis. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know Rhea, you have groups of people you meet with, you don't charge anything to get together and discuss certain topics. And really that can be a mastermind. It's however you want to define it. And it doesn't have to be something you monetize. Awesome. And you, and you know, I think what's so 
great about that is in thinking about the future of business, I think it's about community. Mm -hmm. It used to be about commodity. Now it's about community. Yeah. People buy things because of how they make them feel and feel connected, then they'll buy it. Yeah. (laughs) Very Maslow. Well, Jen, this is so fun. Thanks so much for being on the show and good luck to you. You'll have to come back in about a year from now and let us know how it all went. I definitely will. Thank you, Rhea, for taking the time. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Jen. Bye-bye. Bye.